Well, we are mobile today at Colburn Road Restoration Branch, uh, and that is how I met my guest today, Brother John Owings. He is an ordained elder, and we've had the opportunity to go on a few visits together in the homes, but uh, he is here to share his stories on Stories of the Saints and his testimony of Jesus. So, um, John, tell me uh, your first memory, your earliest memory of Jesus. Were you raised in a Christian home? Yes, I was. Um, I guess that uh, I would preface our conversation by saying that there's really nothing very special about me. Um, but what, what is special is um, what God has done in my life and what he desires to do in the lives of, of everyone. Um, but yeah, um, God's truth and, um, and the gospel story uh, have been part of the fabric of my life, really for all my life. Um, when I was pretty young, uh, quite young, my parents started attending a, a, a fundamental Christian church. And so uh, I, that, that's really my first memory of the gospel story. And uh, probably by the time I was about eight years old, I had made a profession of faith and asked Christ to come into my life and be my savior. Um, but um, I was very young and uh, like the parable of the sower, um, the seed of God's word fell on shallow ground. And so my story is that for the majority of my life um, that I have resisted the truth that God wants to offer to all of us and um, rebelled against his will in my life. That's uh, I'm sure a story that many people can relate to in their life and, um, and continue to relate to. And, and in some instances, I still rebel against God and what I know to be right at times. Um, uh, hopefully not too often, but um, there are those moments. So tell me about that. Tell me about um, knowing about him, but um, your early life. And, and when you said you confessed your faith to him, was that kind of like for your for the faith you were in, like a baptism or um, what people did to 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 say that they're a Christian then or? Well, right. In in the church that I attended, it was a Christian Missionary and Alliance Church, a very small congregation. And um, the the process of of salvation as as uh, it was preached in in that body um, was uh, well, I answered an altar call. So. Mm. At the end of a sermon, okay. I, was, I was invited to come and give my life to Jesus. And so I prayed the, the, the prayer of being saved and asked Jesus to come into my heart and forgive my sins. And I was earnest. I'm certain that I was earnest. Um, in, in that congregation, um, there, it was very small, as I mentioned, and um, there were uh, very few young people, um, no one exactly my age, a few a little bit older and well, like one a little older and one a little <laughs> younger. So it was it was really small. And, and it was an issue for my sister as well, um, who was just a little older than me. Um, so um, we didn't have uh, that 
uh, connection with people of our own age and uh, the reinforcement that that can give when um, there's that common ground of faith uh, among peers. Um, so that's that's what salvation was in that church, and and I, I think um, salvation is is really um, always that. Um, surrender to God's will in our lives and that acceptance of, of him and his truth and um, the redeeming power of our Savior to bring that truth to um, reality and power in our lives. Um, that church didn't place much emphasis on baptism. Baptism was a part of our worship process, um, but it wasn't considered to be essential to um, the process of uh, making a covenant with the Lord. So as you would progress through school and into high school, you, in your mind, you believed in God and Jesus and um, pictured yourself that you had accepted them or professed your faith, but wasn't um, an all-guiding, all-enmeshed lifestyle or you were kind of walking your own path still. Is that what I... Yeah, I think you put it a little nicer than, <laughs> than I will. Um, I'll, let right. you, so, I'll let you put yeah, it <laughs> Well, and, and really, my, my story is, um, um, has to do with um, how God has, has pursued me um, and um, given me opportunity to begin to see his will fulfilled in my life. But, uh, yeah, as a young person, um, I... Um, fell into the, my, my life pattern, which was to place more value and have greater desire for the things of the world than I did the things of the Lord. That's temptation um, for all, all, of, all of the young people, I think, leaving high school and even in high school and, and going through college and that you know, career path and everything. Right, and so um, you know, I made friends in school and they weren't part of church-going families. Um, and I, I really knew very few uh, kids in school that had an active faith, a faith that um, was visible to those around them. Mm. Um, and so um, I'm not going to blame my friends. Um, I, I kind of gravitated towards, I think, what I wanted. Mm -hmm. and, and it was a selfish desire uh, to be gratified and find enjoyment and kind of do my own thing. So. By the time I was a teenager, I was inwardly rebelling, and, and there came in a time in my life when I was a little older when I outwardly rebelled against uh, the desires of my parents to um, uh, keep me connected to God. And um, I didn't want any part of the church, or you know, I told myself that when I'm my own man, I, I'm, I'm not gonna be forced to do this any longer and I'll do my own thing, and, and I kind of did. Um, and probably would have stayed on that path, but uh, here is the first and probably, well, it's one of the first and definitely probably the biggest way that the Lord intervened in my life, and that's through Susan, my wife of 45 years. Yeah, 45 years, congratulations, I didn't, I didn't. You don't look old enough to me to be, have been married for 45 years, but... <laughs> well, I was a child bride. Okay. But, uh, 
So as with a lot of our listeners and, and people that have shared, I think the husband wife uh, that God gets a hold of a lot of people through that dynamic. So tell me about meeting your wife. Well, uh, we met in high school and um, um, I won't bore you with all the details. It was uh, it was young love. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Susan had and still has, has always had uh, a deep faith. And uh, she was active in an RLDS congregation, uh, active with Science League and so forth. And, uh, you know, she has a, a foundation in her family of, of, uh, of um, a tight relationship with um, the church and some very deeply spiritual people in her in, in her family tree. Um, her grandmother, uh, Cordy Jeske, um, was, uh, in my opinion, a spiritual giant. And uh, uh, she was a wonderful uh, influence on me as well. But um, in any event, um, you know, before long I realized I was in love with Susan and and um, I realized um, along the way, pretty early on, that I needed to make a commitment to her to support her in her faith. Um, even though, frankly, I was estranged from God, I knew how important it was to her. And because of her importance to me, um, that was really um, kind of the, the commitment that I made in my heart and to her. Um, and so um, I started going to church regularly with Susan uh, to an RLDS church. And um, in that church, Bannister Ridge, um, after our, our children had been born, my, my youngest was just a baby, and I believe it was 1983 when I was baptized into that church. And don't let me forget, that's something I want to come back to as we wrap up today, is that, that baptism experience. Um, but leading up to that baptism and for long years afterwards, um, I was still in a state of um, serving myself rather than serving our Heavenly Father and um, seeking after those things that um, I thought would give me um, fulfillment and satisfaction. I was going to, um, before we move on too, too much farther, I like to point out because um, we, we are a church that believes in priesthood and we, like most churches, have sermons on Sunday. I like to point out the ministry that the women have in this church as far as influencing both men and women. And, and I think any good minister, um, man in the church, would not be that good minister man without the women in the life. And so you referenced uh, um, Susan's grandmother. And I, I could tell you got a little teary, so I don't want to get, get too much of your emotions going, but uh, her, just her testimony of Jesus, when you say a spiritual giant, you didn't hear her preach on Sunday. You didn't hear yeah. her. But what, what about her <clears throat> uh, affected you? Um, you know, she just... Uh was a person when you were around her, um, you know, you felt a great love and um, she was constantly serving 
and caring for others. Um, she um, opened her home. Um, we had cottage meetings there um, and, and Bible studies. We would popcorn and, and eat apple slices and, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, <laughs> uh, Cordy would point her little finger at me and say, uh, you know, John, the Lord has a work for you to do. And, uh, you know, what was going on in my mind is, well, he's, he's, he's got a lot of baggage to sort through mm -hmm. to get that work done through me. Um, but it turns out that uh, um, I think it was uh, her um, close uh, contact with the Spirit that caused her to say things like that. Mm. And, um, you know, she, uh, after her husband passed away, who was uh, an elder and, and, a, and a pastor um, in our church and started some churches and went on missions for the church, um, but after he passed away, um, she eventually moved up to Independence and and once her house caught on fire and um, there was nothing that she lacked for because of all the giving she had done in mm -hmm. her life, um, came back mm. to uh, support her in that time of need. People came out of the woodwork and uh, her home was restored and her her life was brought back to order. Um, and I know that she never had a doubt. Mm. Well, I just wanted our, our daughters and mothers and even grandmothers that listen to just be aware of those testimonies, as I'm sure they are, that women uh, shape who we are. And even God describes himself in a female way when, when Jesus said, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chickens. And so he, he's made man and woman in his image. And I love the ministry that comes from the testimony of faithful women, just seeing the countenance of my creator in them. And it, it has affected me in my life. So thanks for sharing that. But so you and Susan got together and you were uh, baptized. And I'll remember to bring that up. Uh, you went on just pursuing your um, vocation, and uh, I know a little bit of your story, but tell me, tell me, you said God kept pursuing you. Tell me when you really got to that moment where you became engaged um, with him. Well, this is kind of the long part of the story, so you'll have to cut me off if I take too long. Well, this, is, uh, this is what I want to hear. <laughs> okay, well, um, I'm going to fast forward to, to early 2019, and, and uh, this is... Uh, six or eight months after um, um, God, um, God's work in my life reached um, a watershed moment and, uh, and I uh, surrendered my life to him. Um, and uh, Susan and I at, at this moment are, are uh, spending time in devotion in early 2019. And we do that every morning. And I just take a, a paid commercial announcement here and say that if, if that, for our listeners, if that's something that you're not already doing, um, I, would, I would really encourage that um, act of um, frequently, daily if possible, to spend time in worship with uh, the one that you love. Um, it is uh, the best part of my day, and um, it is um, 
so powerful in our lives to um, spend time um, with the right priorities. I will say when we were scheduling this recording session this morning, I asked you, you know, how's eight o'clock or, or nine o'clock? And you, you kind of said, well, I can do eight, but nine would be better. And mentioned something about having to cut your study partner off early. And I didn't, I didn't want to do that. And I, I knew you'd said before how you guys spend time every morning. So I appreciate that, that you were conscious of uh, not that that was so important to you. You didn't want to if possible, uh, leave that part out of your day. So good for you for being committed <laughs> yeah. to that. Well, I, I had never had any intention of leaving it in, out of my day or any day, but I would have had to kick her out of bed just a little earlier. A little earlier. Oh, you guys would have got earlier. Gotcha. Well, good for you. <laughs> yes. But in any event, so we were we were there in that in that devotion setting, and, and uh, the steady guide we were using included some uh, questions for reflection at the end of each lesson. And, and that particular day, one of the questions was uh, to describe a time when God had spoken to you. And I remember that it used the phrase, when you heard the voice of God. And um, as I mentioned before, I was, I was on the path um, at that time in my life. I'd finally gotten there. Um, but I, I could not think of a time when I'd heard the voice of God or that I knew that he had directly spoken to me. You know, there were times at the birth of my child, one of my children, um, or, um, you know, something particularly wonderful in nature, or, um, you know, sometimes uh, during sermons and sometimes in worship, God was speaking to me. But I, I just, I just drew a blank. And, and I think it was maybe God's way of getting my attention. So I, I told Suzanne, I said, I don't, I don't really have anything. And she was quiet for a moment. And then she began to describe a time um, when God had spoken to her and he had spoken words of comfort and direction for her, um, meeting a need in her life because of the sorrow she felt when she realized that I was not going to accept my first priesthood calling. And that occurred in late 2006. And so you can imagine how I must have felt. I was really humbled mm. uh, to hear her say those things. It was something that I didn't know about before. And um, especially in light of what we had been studying that morning, it was, her words were very powerful to me. And um, and I, I, I know that the Spirit was moving in the fact that she shared those things. <clears throat> and then it happened. Um, I was, my mind was taken back to that time in 2006 and what that was like in our life. And I was thinking, how could I have possibly responded to a priesthood calling right then? Um, we had relocated to another state. I was um, following a, a job, following a career, and uh, had, had gone out there to uh, work on a new product and a new process. Uh, we were hiring lots of new people. Um, there was a lot of pressure to deliver. Um, it was a really crazy time in our lives. Um, moving household, um, our, our kids were basically grown at that time. Our youngest was just finishing up college. 
And so we left family behind and, and a new grandbaby. And um, it, was, it was a very unsettled time in our lives. And I was working crazy long hours. And, um, and anyway, so what's going through my mind is how, how could I have possibly been, uh, you know, a priesthood member, let alone that my, my heart wasn't right with God at that time. And, and then um, God spoke to me. Um, the Spirit formed words in my head that said, I saved you from all of that. <clears throat> and I know it was the Spirit speaking to me because I immediately knew exactly what the Spirit was telling me. And I knew that had I continued that way of life, of uh, placing all my value on my career and getting my sense of self-worth from uh, my position or my performance review or the level of responsibility that I held, um, as long as I continued to follow those forms and other forms of self-gratification, that I would be lost, continue to be lost. But that God had saved me from that. And, and more importantly, maybe, or as importantly, significantly, um, I understood that had that product that I went out there to make been a success, a product that the company had invested very heavily in, that the die would have been set, that um, I would have followed that lie uh, for the rest of my life and let it continue to be my God. But that wasn't God's plan for me. And all that, in really a flash, became clear to me. And uh, that's an important part of the testimony I want to share today. Because the product wasn't a success. It was a $4.2 billion write-off for the company. It was, wow. it was uh, what I would call a good material for a Harvard School of Business case study on how a company could commit so much and be so far off the mark. So in October, I, I went out to Indiana in 2006 around Labor Day, and then in October of 2007, the company made the announcement that they were pulling the plug on the product. And that was very, that was a, a big life moment for me and a lot of people that had um, tied themselves to um, a commitment to that site and uh, relocated and like I had. And um, so, uh, you know, it really, really threw me into turmoil. Um, but um, I'll fast forward again to like the middle of 2008. Now I'm at the point that most of the odds and ends of wrapping up that operation were reaching completion. Um, the, the personnel issues, uh, the, you know, closing down the process and dealing with all the equipment assets and so forth. And um, I'm looking around and 
oh, by the way, the middle of 2008 is when the housing bubble burst and the stock market took a dive and so did um, our nest egg. Right. <laughs> and so because financial security was one of my gods at that time, um, I'm pretty concerned about all that. And hey, what are we going to do? And um, we put our house on the market that we had bought out in Indiana. And, and um, I'm looking for another position in the company. And there's a lot of folks in the same position I am. Um, not very many openings. And quite a few folks have had the rug pulled out from under them. Good, capable people. And there's a lot of competition for every position. And um, because of the... Um, the drawdown in the economy, um, most other companies weren't hiring either. Right. It was a tough time. And so I wasn't looking at a, a very rosy picture, and I was pretty worried about what was going to happen. I thought, well, you know, maybe we can get back closer to Kansas City now. Maybe I could find something in that area. But frankly, I, I wasn't finding anything. And uh, that kind of an uncertain outcome wasn't God's plan for me either. Um, the plant manager where I was at took a position at another site and it created a little chain reaction and it made an opening um, that was going to be good for a few, a few months. And it was the site that I was at um, had been around for a long time and made some, they were continuing to make some old line products at kind of a low volume when this new product was, that site was selected for this new product. And so these old line products still need to be made. The intention of the company was to shut down the whole site, um, but these products were part of the national formulary. And so really kind of by law, we couldn't just stop making them. We had to uh, ensure that a supply of those products was maintained. And so our, per our plan was to uh, transfer that production to another facility, but we needed to make um, safety stock and an inventory build while that, that new site was approved to make this pro these products. And so it was only supposed to be for a couple of months, but I thought, well, that'll buy us some time and maybe something will come open. But as it turned out, um, several factors came into play and, and there was a little bit more demand for the product. And, and things were slow on the transfer process. And, and that two months turned into two years. And that really changed everything for our situation. It put us in a position where I now qualified for um, a full severance. And um, that was enough to bridge us until I could find another position, even if it took six months or a year. And so we came back to the Kansas City area. and. Um, and after about six months, I did find another job. But spiritually, nothing had really changed for me. I didn't see God's hand working in my life the way it was. But the effect of what he did was to bring me back to this congregation, this, this house of prayer that's um, our, our church home. And uh, here we find the spirit working. Here we find um, the gospel um, proclaimed. And so I was now in a position where the Spirit could work on me some more. And it did. And uh, then in, in June of 2018, um, our pastor at the time, Dave Keller, 
um, called me uh, for the second time to the office of priest. And so now I'm really in a dilemma. Um, I'm not spiritually in any condition to stand in the stead of Christ and stand before these uh, people of God and minister to them. Um, and I don't know if I can do it. And I couldn't have on my own. I couldn't have um, overcome those barriers in my life uh, to do what God wants each of us to do. Um, for me, it was like stepping backwards off a cliff with a blindfold on. <laughs> um, I just didn't have confidence in um, my worthiness to be redeemed. Um, but thankfully for many of us, for me for sure, um, we serve a God who's in the business of of redeeming those that feel unredeemable. Hmm. Um, and so I asked God to strengthen my faith. And I made my commitment to him. And um, asked him to give me the faith to repent. And I want to say something about repentance at this point that... Um, Repentance is turning away from the things that separate us from God. But in so doing, we are turning towards God. And when we turn towards God, wonderful things will happen in our lives. When we give him that chance. You said uh, exercise, you asked him to give you the faith to repent. And that's a scripture in the Book of Mormon that stuck with me several years ago that led me to really reading the Book of Mormon more than I had before. And that was when I read the scripture that um, that that we need to have faith unto repentance. Mm -hmm. And that it wasn't so much that I had read that for the first time. It was that the Spirit opened my maybe spiritual man to look at what that meant and to try to understand um, what that meant in my in my life and in everyone's life. So that was interesting. That the first thing you did was ask God to give you the faith to repent. Yes. And um, so um, it wasn't um, a throwing the switch. Um, now I'm. Um, right where I need to be with God and, <laughs> and everything's going to be fine now. It wasn't that way for me. I don't know if it is for anyone. Um, but that, that concept of line upon line and precept upon precept is, is how he worked in my life. That as he answered my prayer and um, worked within me to grow that faith, um, that my trust grew and, um, and and there's been so many ways and so many times that he's opened the vistas for me to see what he's doing in my life and uh, of his great goodness um, that um, um, 
that, you know, I've, I've been able to open up more to him, and that's all he asks of us is to, um, to seek him with full purpose of heart, and he will respond to that. And so all of his promises have been true in my life, and he has uh, uh, continued to um, bring his wonderful fulfillment to pass in my life. Um, you know, there were, there were the bad habits I had and the, the wrong things that I did and the, um, the wrong place that my head was at for the majority of my life. These are things that um, I sought after to satisfy a need that is within, I think, all of us, all mm -hmm. of us that um, within as there is a place where God belongs. It is there because he created us. And until we submit to that desire he has to fulfill that place within us, um, well, my tendency was trying to fill it up with other stuff, and, and none of it brought satisfaction. And this is the thing, Mike, is that, you know, I, I talked about him speaking to me and what he revealed to me when he did. And what I could see then in retrospect was that, um, you know, he brought me to this place in my life where all the boxes could be checked. All my goals for myself, I, you know, he'd, he'd kind of let me go my way. And if, if I wouldn't... Uh, except what he knew was right for me, but chase after these other things. Well, okay, John, you go ahead and, and see how that works for you. And so, um, you know, I came to the place in my life where I'd, I was able to retire at a fairly early age. Uh, we're not rich, but we were financially secure. And um, I could do what I want. I could go fishing. I took up golf. <laughs> I could satisfy all my... Uh, desires for self-gratification, I guess, and having fun, and none of it satisfies. Um, at that moment that I sat on my garage steps and asked myself, am I going to tell God no again when Dave gave me that second priesthood calling? It was all very clear to me that I was highly unsatisfied. And, and um, that helped me move in the right direction. Um, Tell me how your life, or um, how things have been since, because what I like about your testimony is though you have been a member of, of, quote, the church for a number of years, um, your very real experience with the Holy Spirit and God and that change of heart that we talk about so often was is very recent and I think very relevant to people that have been in the church um, the majority of their life and yet haven't fully committed to Christ, even though maybe their attendance is perfect or maybe they're uh, from the outside looking in, um, it looks like they're where they need to be, that, that this is very relevant because I'm sure there's a large number of people out there that 
um, but still need to do that. Well, that may be true. Um, I just can only speak from my own personal experience. And uh, um, I know that, um, that we can be in a place that is far from him and he still knows our name. He still knows what we need to hear uh, to be confronted with the truth and um, that he will put us in situations where the Spirit will work to get through to us and work to um, place that truth in front of us that we need to hear. Um, what's important is how we respond to it. Um, I, as I mentioned, I resisted it for many, many years. Um, What's it been like since since you've responded to your service in the ministry and you were recently uh, called and ordained to an elder just a couple years after being called right. to be a priest? What's right. what's the change in let's, let's say this. What's the satisfaction like now? Well, um, as far as my priesthood callings and stuff, I just want to say that that is that's that's not my merit. And, uh, you know, being called as a priest I thought, Lord, what are you doing? And, uh, and being called as an elder caught me um, really kind of by surprise. Um, all that matters to me is, is to be able to serve and serve him. Um, and what's it been like um, is that um, I have found that fulfillment and um, satisfaction and and the joy that I've desired all my life. Um, I am still tempted. Um, I still struggle with um, aspects of my spiritual walk um, that are, um, I, I just think part of the process. Uh, I think that God, um, how can I put this? There are things in my life that I would like to be able to go back and change. And we can't do that. We can't, you know, go back and fix the things that we did wrong. But there are lots of mistakes I made along the way that I wish I hadn't made. But I know by his spirit that um, even all those mistakes that I made can be brought uh, about to bring his him glory, that um, he can take what I messed up and make something good happen out of it all. And, and I hope that, like, this opportunity to share my testimony is an opportunity to do that, to say uh, um, I've made mistakes, and, uh, and yet here's what God can do. But um, um, I think... Um, that, um, you know, I have this need to be engaged. And if it's not engaged in doing God's work, then I'm engaged in things that are self-gratifying in one way or another. Um, so um, what I found is, is that there's all kinds of opportunity to work for him and, and to um, follow the example that Jesus set of being 
a servant to those around us. And so um, um, I'm not always sure exactly what God wants me to do, but um, like that, like that scripture, I wish I could quote chapter and verse to you, but uh, no longer have the desire to do evil, but have the desire to do good continually. And so I, I, I try and respond to that desire um, by being involved in, you know, different volunteer things and, you and service You still work for hospice? Yeah, I still do. You volunteer, right? Right. Just I, to be um, with people when, when their loved yeah, ones can't I, be. Yeah, I do hospice volunteering and um, I, I do Habitat for Humanity um, because I like to be active. And, uh, and there are some, some church members and some friends that, that I'm able to help out in little ways as well. I mow some lawns, I do a little power washing, and you know, I just, I just uh, try and find those ways to be a servant to those that are in need. Um, and I, I don't say these things to set myself up as some kind of great example, but why I say them is that God will open our eyes to ways that um, we can um, find satisfaction in our our daily life walk. Yeah. Well, tell me about your baptism. You wanted to come back oh, yeah. before we end. So. <laughs> right. So, and I did almost forget. Thank you for reminding me. So, um, you know, there are times that I I don't feel worthy of uh, some of the responsibilities that go along with my calling um, to stand up in front of folks that have lived a life in the church. And, and I know through direct observation what that life has been and what it's meant and to minister to them. I, I often don't feel worthy to do that um, given the life that I've led. And so uh, last year in, in 2020, during uh, a time that I was preparing for a responsibility that I had, and I just did not feel worthy. And... Uh, you know, the adversary was working on me and telling me that, uh, you know, um, you're hardly the right guy to be um, standing up and and uh, and being a witness for our great God. And I, I really believe this was the working of the Spirit because it was while I was in one of these down moments that the Spirit brought to mind a memory as something I hadn't thought of, I believe, since it occurred. And it was in and around the time of my baptism. I was baptized with another gentleman on the same day. And a week later, we were both confirmed the same day, the same service. And um, the uh, prayer confirmation, as it was given for the other fella, um, the elder uh, was compelled to say to him that it had been revealed to him that this guy would be called to the priesthood and, and would respond and would serve. And um, I didn't think much about it. And I can't tell you much of what was said in, in the prayer of confirmation over me. But after, this is the memory that was brought back to me is, is after the service, uh, uh, 
a priesthood member named Jack Wells came up to me and said, John, he, you know, he congratulated me. And he said, John, during the prayer of confirmation, it was revealed to me that you too would be called to the priesthood and that you will serve. And um, I remember thinking at the time, oh boy, that's a, that's a tall order. I wonder if, if that would ever really happen in my life because I knew that I wasn't truly repentant. I knew I wasn't in the right place with God, even though I had just been through a prayer confirmation. And I believe that the Spirit um, brought this thing that I had, had just had not thought of in those 40 years at all and, and brought it to my memory uh, to give me comfort, uh, to tell me, John, God shows you. And, and he wants to use you. And John, if you'll let him, God will use you. Mm. And so it was, uh, it was a great comfort to me and, and part of my testimony. When, uh, when I asked you to share, um, you responded quickly that you would, that you would share your testimony this is a little different than, like I told you, uh, than sharing in a prayer service with a body of people because you walk away and that part is over. But this will, you know, this is recorded and will be listened to uh, this week and next week and hopefully for years to come. Uh, even our very first ones are still growing. Uh, the very first testimonies that we put out there, there's new listeners all the time. And so thank you for... Thank you for sharing your diligence and just you, you did plenty of talking about how you didn't follow God. So I can I can thank you for the good that you're doing now and not and it's not boasting. Um, when you make a determination to do something, I see that you're you're in 100 percent. And I've seen that in your ministry in the last few years. Um, I know people are blessed here at the congregation for it. So thank you for just bearing your testimony of Jesus and pray that those. I hope they pick out what you said about um, not feeling worthy to be redeemed and praying for faith to repent. Um, something about that, boy, the adversary sure is able to make us feel that way in our life, and yet is it, that's the very reason we need a Savior is because none of us are, are worthy to ever right, be in His presence. And, um, that's uh, so when you st I wanted to also ask you one one other follow up question when you said you, were, you felt like you had a blindfold on stepping off that cliff backwards, thinking about the responsibility of ministry. Um, how how have you felt that's gone and, and that? I know you don't feel alone, but God has come through. I just wanted to hear it in your words. Well. Um, gee. I, I would say that, um, you know, he's faithful and true. Um, God doesn't uh, um, fail to uh, follow through in, uh, in his part of the covenant and in, in mm -hmm. what he does for us. Um, so for me, 
Um, I can tell you that my first couple of sermons were pretty rough and that I, I still struggle to share my testimony at times um, that, you know, as I look back on them, that I, you know, I wish I'd stepped out and, and been more outspoken for the goodness of God. Um, but that um, I found that um, even though um, my skills aren't all that great, that um, as long as I, I, I do my best to um, respond to his call to serve, um, that, you know, he's there with me and uh, that uh, he makes my fumbling around uh, good enough, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. He's good at that. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time today to share your testimony. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Mm -hmm.